Hey guys, this is Alex, and you are listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. So, thanks to everybody who's been listening to podcasts lately. I really, um, I really look forward to seeing the amount of people listen. I'm sorry that a bunch of stuff has gone wrong, and episodes have come out late, like a day late or a couple hours late. Shit happens. I'm actually recording this early because I just got my second COVID shot. Yay! But that means that I might be dead on Sunday morning. So I wanted to record this basically the night before so it comes out and uh, no problems. But, as I said, thanks to everybody who's been listening to podcasts lately. If you haven't listened to the um, episode on Colorful, and you know what Colorful is, you like what you going to say there, maybe still check it out. It, it's worth the time, I promise. But today I want to talk about something that I started thinking about thanks to somebody who I follow on TikTok. And like it or not, TikTok is like a serious thing now and there are people doing serious stuff on there. And it in like the in like the shape of a TikTok thing, meaning that it still feels fun and jokey, but it's a serious thoughtful thing, um, a guy over there whose, um, screen name, whose screen name, (laughs) I am an old taco, whose, um, name is, whose handle is, um, Cosplay Fiend, have been doing these, um, anime people don't talk about anymore videos, and he's done, I think, like, uh, close to 30 of them. Maybe, I think maybe 25 of them at this point. I'm not sure um, if that number is subject to change, depending on when you're listening to this. But he said something really interesting in um, the live, uh, in the li- in the um, TikTok live stream he did yesterday night, which at the time of recording this is on the night of the 30th. And because people are like, I really love you like covering obscure anime and he said when covering isn't obscure it was all really popular when it came out like we but like everybody my age knew this stuff and saw this stuff it just the the that section of fandom died off or died on the vine back then and that that struck me as really interesting because what he's saying is that he's and he's really right. I mean, like he talks about he talks about stuff that I have covered on this very show. He talked about Zoids. Uh, he hasn't talked about Zoids, um, but um, he talked about Black Lagoon. He talked about Tokyo Ghoul. He talked about all these. He talked about all these. At this point, older shows where like the fandom had not carried forward constantly, be, most likely because of the churn of just the anime industry and the new hot thing and like the internet and all that shit. But what it suggested was it suggested a real difference between like truly obscure and just and truly quote unquote underrated or underappreciated, which is a term people apply to fucking art all the time and it blows. Um, 
and like shows that were very popular in their day but are just like they they have just become vintage because of time basically um now a great example of this is um Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop is not an obscure show. There are tons of people at this point who have not seen it because it is it's from it's it's from the late nineties and it's been it's been decades since then at this point. And that makes that makes it less likely that say some kid in middle school watching who's like just really into like your basic shonen stuff has gone and seeked out Cowboy Bebop. And there's nothing wrong with like a younger otaku not having seen Cowboy Bebop. It is regarded as like a foundational anime by people my age or and even some people a little bit younger than me because it is it, it has stood the test of time in a way that like stuff usually doesn't. The stuff needs to be of a certain quality to even come close to. Uh, another example of this that lots of people probably um, would recognize is Yu Yu Hakusho. Yu Yu Hakusho is like considered to be one of the best <laughs> shonen anime ever. In the in the same vein as Hunter X Hunter that I actually talked about a while um, a couple episodes back in the feed, but and it's made by Togashi. So those are those are both just the same the the, the same person working in the same genre with different goals for each thing, if that makes any sense. And if you talk about those animated now, they are recognized as be and not being niche shows. They're not they're not like under they're not like underappreciated or underrated or not or shows that aren't sought after. They are Shows that like everybody knows, they may or may not have seen them because they're on the older side. The aspect ratio is totally different now for TVs, which is a real fucking. It. Let me tell you, as someone who does not like black and white movies, there's like a real, like oh fuck, I'm, I was the problem all along, feeling when the aspect ratio switches on you and all of your favorite shows and a ton of your favorite shows are now like the old TV aspect ratio and you're like, oh fuck. No, I'm the old guy. This is weird. Um but the the difference between like this being an older show that has cycled that whose fandom has cycled out of it and a truly obscure show is really significant because if you look at um, a show like Black Goon, which I've talked about, that show was really popular. That show got, that show still has seasons coming out. It's just the original mangaka takes forever to put stuff out. <laughs> I mean, there are 10 volumes now the last, I think, three volumes came out, like, in 2019 or some insane horseshit. They released Roberta's Blood, Blood Trail in, like, like something like 
five or six years after the original, after the first two seasons of Black Lagoon. Um, or after the first, after the first two seasons is probably the best, um, way to say that. But, that tells you that that show isn't really even, that that property isn't really even old or obscure. It's just a slow drip. This is, this is the same, it's the same as with something like Hunter x Hunter, which is a slow drip, because I think, I believe Tagashi has a fairly big health problem that keeps him from releasing manga at this point um, constantly, so to speak. But it, when, I talk, when I talk about shows on the main podcast, um, I talk about this a little bit um, with colorful, which <laughs> colorful is not. I don't talk about this with colorful on um the, on his podcast. You should definitely listen to that because I tell some awesome young loner kid otaku stories in that podcast, which you can listen to it before this episode in the feed of in whatever you like. You're listening to me right now, but. That's not what I would call an obscure anime. That, for its time, was less obscure and more just fucking infamous. That makes any sense. It was like, it it was like a threat. Like I'm gonna make you watch colorful, either again or at all. And you're like, oh, fucking really? I. If I had to guess, if I had to guess that there would be an anime that's like would get treated like this a, a few years down the road, my big guess would be that people would look at um, Roni Kenshin as a quote-unquote, like, obscure anime, even though it by no means is or was, was or is. And the reason why I would say that is because Roni Kenshin's author got convicted of possession of child porn a lot of like on dvd like he he didn't just fuck around on the internet and get some and get them fucked up pictures of some kids he like went to places and bought dvds (laughs) which is like a whole new like oh fuck it fuck this guy um and that has caused this like attempt for the industry for not the industry because the industry has a the industry has a wider view of a work and like the franchise that work has created and the kind of people who are employed within a franchise than say a fan does especially an american fan with like truly american points of view my guess is and i have already seen it happening is that people will choose to distance themselves from that author's work. And he, and that would cause the like story of Aroni Kenshin, which is a genuinely just like creator aside, like creator fucked up moments aside. It's a genuinely, you know, heartfelt, interesting 
fun shonen action story. Shonen action, like, period piece story. And as a result, I think that that will get looked at the same way something like, um, let's say, Midori Days gets looked at now. When I was when I was much younger in my fandom and in my age, Midori Days was just kind of everywhere. It was like... <laughs> It was, you got that trailer on the front of, like, whatever you were watching that week, whatever you had rented from the video store or whatever, because it was a current property. The same way that if you watch old, if you have a way to and you watch old tapes, old VHS anime tapes from around the period when Ranma was was a hot thing, you see, like, all these insane things, like, you can mail it. You can mail in twenty bucks, and they'll give you a Ranma alarm clock, or 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 like a Ranma wall clock, or some nonsense, because uh, Ranma was and Ranma was at the time like the biggest thing in its in its lane, and it made its own lane. It's largely why um, Rumiko Takahashi is like one of the wealthier people in Japan still, I believe. She spends, like, some absurd amount of money on um, a massive television so she can watch her soap operas. God bless her weird soul. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that if you suspect a show is obscure and you're like, I just found this obscure anime anime, and you have been in the anime game, so to speak, for less than 10 years. I would bet that what you're seeing is not obs- I would bet that there's a 50-50 chance of what of, of you seeing Something that's not obscure, that's just old enough where the fan, the main fandom has moved on. And another good way to gauge this is there are there are moments in Q and A sessions of panels where, like, either you as a panelist, because I've run anime panels a bunch of times before, or you in the audience realize that there's a one got one person, I'm thinking of a specific event, asking a lot of questions about one specific show that feels very obscure, but it's probably not. It's just older than you. And that person found it, and that person is a huge fan of it, but you've never heard it because the the bottom line is that I know this from going to... from being a media head and working in the real world is that generally speaking in the same way that quote unquote normies may not know that much about say Pokemon about the Pokemon lore, but to us like Cubone wearing the dead skull of his mom is just a thing. It's just a thing that happens. But, like, to most to lots of people, they're like, oh, God, that's a nightmare. And <laughs> we're like, 
wait until I introduce you to this lovely cavalcade of Pokemon who are just nightmare things. <laughs> like Hypno. Hypno is not okay. Hypno is definitely a, a molestation machine and it's the worst. But I have him in my collection. Because <laughs> I had to catch them all, goddammit. But, um... inside of the fandom too everything you're seeing is not the only stuff that was never that was not obscure in you know 10 years my hero academia will probably be considered a classic in the same way that cowboy bebop is considered a classic and one of the one of the things that People miss that that people miss about lots of anime content creators. Uh, it's especially anime podcasters like me, like um, Anime World Order, like um, even something like um, Geek Nights Rim and Scott. Is that we're pulling from such a large mental library of stuff we've seen that we don't have to worry about keeping up with the Joneses. We don't, we can watch stuff at our own pace because we've seen such a volume of things that like, I can go, I can go to like my mental roller deck and also my, my anime list, my um, completed list on my anime list. And I can be like, Oh, I can talk about honey and clover. Search my, search my podcast directory and make sure I haven't done it before. And then I do an episode of Honey and Clover. Fairly certain that, like, while some people have, while a lot of people may have seen it, a lot of people definitely haven't. And if you really want to be a, an anime content content creator, or you want to be like, even like somebody like Giguk or Digibro, it requires. It requires such a dedication to staying current that it's like an insane drive, or it requires this like weird mass of knowledge that is built up over years, or in my case, decades. I have a my anime list that like is in the hundreds long, and you can point at a show on on my completed list, and I'll be able to be like, oh, that shows this, 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 and this. And it probably came out around uh, this time. And I'll probably nail it to the wall. And the reason for that is is because I've been watching anime for fucking two decades plus. And it... It always amuses me when I'm watching cosplay scenes, um... videos which I think he called actual anime nobody ever talks about anymore and I'm just and he's just like rolls into Final Fantasy Unlimited (laughs) he's like we've all seen these trailers like lots of us either wanted to or we bought the box set we don't know why it's terrible don't you look at me like that I just look at him immediately like ah yeah I know people with that box set who hate that show to death, and they still have the box set. 
<laughs> but it, and if you if you want to see the what I'm talking about in real life, I don't know if this blog exists anymore, but it was a great it was a great blog. It used to be a blog where they would go through so first off, there used to be a magazine called An called An America. And An America was like before um was before Otaku USA, it was like it was this thing that was being published as New Type was first being published in English. And if you're like, wait, New Type was published in English? Yes. New Type was published in English for like some insane amount of time, like close to ten years, but it never did well enough for them to keep wasting money in publishing in English, so they just stuck to Japanese after a while. Um but New type was, but before that, An America was this kind of was a was an American take on an anime magazine, and somebody did a blog where they first went through their entire stack of anime of An Americas, and then they started getting you know submissions from other people where they just cataloged all of the advertising, all the advertisements in the magazine, and like. I look at that thing and I'm like, oh, this is a fun nostalgia trip of like, hey, remember when they tried to sell you a like eight tape fucking box set of Outlaw Star and that wasn't even all the episodes or some horseshit. And but you, you, at a time when we were all seeing those ads, all that stuff was really new. All that stuff was, it was certainly recognized to be foundational on some level, but it wasn't like it was current and it was now and it was quote unquote hip because I'm an old guy. I can talk like that. Or at least I'm an old guy in terms of anime fans. Um, I'm not that fucking old. God damn it. Um, but there's a big difference between actually obscure and just obscure to you because you haven't been watching anime for a long time and you're um you just you had no reason to go looking so um i and i'm gonna say this and people listening to this will be like wait what excuse me uh last time i did last time i did anime panels in new york city I did, um, I premiered my third panel, I think it was. My third panel was, um, Welcome to Your Cyberpunk Future. And it was all about the reality of what all the cool cyberpunk shit you see in anime actually means. Like, hey, isn't it cool you get to have a robot body? What if you have to pay, but what if you have to pay freaking car payments on your body or your spleen? I like everybody in that panel is just always like, oh fuck, really? God, he, he's right. I can, I can feel he's right. I look at him. Of course he's right. <laughs> he's so old. He has to be right. And like everybody always thinks like, oh god, he does a lot of research for this. I'm like, no, I'm just a disabled brain cancer patient who knows how the medical system works. I know how they want to fuck you. <laughs> and just if de facto A to Z. Um, but in the question and answer, in the um, Q&A section of the panel, 
which I always like slot out 15 minutes for just Q&A because people got questions, yo. Um, there's this girl who's like, and bear in mind, I had taken everybody through fucking Ghost in the Shell in the middle of the panel. It's the worst. She she looked straight at me in a room full of people. God bless this girl's soul. And she goes, yeah, um, are there any anime about, like, about, like, all the stuff you talked about? Like, uh, like, living in cybernetic bodies and, like, transhumanism and stuff? I, like, <laughs> there was this moment where, like, I was getting ready to back up and hold the fucking wall and everybody in the in the room, aside from her, was just, like, having audible gasps left and right, and they're like, oh, what? How did she... Who let her in here? And I just took it as, like, a moment, like, oh. Oh, like, Ghost in the Shell was from 1998, was from 1989. It was made the year I was born. I saw it when I was 15, and that was more than a decade ago now. It's entirely possible you have never seen any Ghost in the Shell. And it was never presented to you because it's not something you were looking Okay, and I just said yes. When you get out of here, Google Ghost in the Shell. I'm so excited for you that you get to watch this for the first time. And you just get to have your brain melted by this thing. In the way that everybody in this room has. And it, I, I could feel that some people were like, oh, he's being mean. But no, I was being genuine. Because if she had found that by herself, she would have been, she probably would have still loved it, but she would have been like, oh, this is a really obscure, cool, cool thing. Because if you're in, if you make it through, it, into cyberpunk, into some sort of cyberpunk scenario, and you think it's cool, and you haven't heard of Ghost in the Shell, and no, or nobody's taking you outside and just like whipped out a Blu-ray of of Ghost in the Shell and just smack you across the face with it, like watch this motherfucker, I, then you you were never going to really encounter it ultimately. And even if you do, it would have like flown over your head unless somebody just took you by the shoulder like, no, this is what this is. Go watch it. And I've done that for, I've done that for other people. Like I did that in my disabled um, panel for somebody who had a, um, a, be, a, a, a be, I'm going to call it a behavioral disability. And they were like, you know, I'm really looking for some, for any representation anywhere. I don't know where to look. I don't know where to begin. And I was just like, hey, have you, have you watched any of Soul Eater? And she was like, I started it. I didn't really get that far through it. It's not because I didn't like it. I just didn't keep up with it. And I like pleaded with her. I'm like, please, please watch all of Soul Eater, the, the first the first series of Soul Eater, you will not regret it. It has that kind of representation that you're looking for in it. You'll know when you hit it and you'll like, it will be a moment for you, I guarantee it. I like sent her on her way, knowing full well, like I, I have done, I've done the thing. Um, And that, 
that kind of stuff happens to me after after that after my um full metal and beyond panel literally every time i do it somebody comes up and they're like how do i and i'm like hey here are some answers and it's just like it's like super heartwarming but i just want you, i just want you and maybe a younger otaku uh, a younger fan listening to this if there is such a thing to remember that a lot of the stuff you're encountering for the first time has existed forever. <laughs> just forever. And be- just because you don't see people talking about it now doesn't mean those conversations haven't happened. And on that note, my name has been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. If you like this podcast, new episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday. Sunday, they're like this. They're like metatextual, like fandom-based things or industry-based things or just like general weird concepts that my head gets obsessed with. And the third day episodes are about, are are just um, reviews or my feelings on specific shows from across a deeply, I mean, to give you an idea, last, last episode I did was on Colorful. The episode before that, for a review show was on Honey and Clover. There's a wide fucking gap between the two. And I cover all kinds of stuff on that. So go check that out if you like this. But until then, I've been Alex. And we'll talk to you on Thursday.